Let's pray. Father, I pray tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus that you would speak to us by the power of your word. That you'd give us revelation. That you'd give us wisdom. That you'd give us understanding. That you'd give us strength. God, we thank you. We love you. We adore you. We thank you that you are leading us even when we don't know it. I pray that we would learn to stop trying to lead you. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Oh, yeah. Let the ushers come forward. Ushers. The ushers. We're going to start making the ushers wear a white, a white shirt. And black slacks, no. and a, and and wear white gloves. <laughs> Hand behind your back. <laughs> Father, bless this offering. Multiply it to meet the needs of this your house. Bless the gift and the giver in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and give generously. Whatever you are planning on giving, double it. The Lord will bless you. Yesterday I was talking to Pastor Daniels and he said something to me that struck me very strongly. He's been, ever since I came from Korea, I wanted to share a little bit tonight. I'm not really preaching. I'm just kind of sharing what's happening in my life. Uh, The day I left for Korea... Pastor Christian had a little birthday party for me with some with the, the staff of New Philly. And uh, at the end of the meal, he had all of them come around me and pray over me and prophesy over me. And I recorded it. It was a very powerful time. And uh, the next, that same day, later that night, I got back and went to the ark and preached at the ark. And uh, they had kind of a little birthday party for me there when I arrived. And uh, they had all of the people not just the leaders, but the whole congregation came around me and prayed over me and prophesied over me there. And so I, I uh, recorded that as well. And I've been listening uh, to those prophecies and to those prayers. And it's, it's a very powerful thing to record things that the Lord says to you. We often don't treat the word of the Lord like it's the word of the Lord. We treat it like it's the word of man. Even though we use words like, oh, yeah, this was a word from the Lord. But if it's really a word from the Lord, then you steward it. You possess it. Well, two words that were spoken, one, at New, one from the New Philly staff and one from an archer, uh, really struck me. And the first was this. Uh, I asked the archers to pray over me because I really feel like the Lord is calling me to write in this season. That the most important thing the Lord wants from me is to begin to write, to begin to write books. And, and, and uh, uh, I've known that for years, but in this season, I feel like the Lord is activating that calling and, and demanding that I do it. And one of, the, one of the New Philly staff prophesied over me, John Newfeld, and he said, the Lord is saying to you that you've been a good son and you've learned to serve him, but your books are going to come out of your place of friendship with him. Now you're going to learn to walk with him as a friend. He is inviting you into that place of friendship and your books are going to flow out of that. And I just broke and just, I just wept in the presence of the Lord as I received that word. And then at the ark, the night, uh, the night I returned, Uh, One of the archers, Marisa, prophesied over me, and she said this. She said, the Lord says 
that the way your spiritual father spends time with him and is just taken away by the spirit of the Lord, spends whole days and whole nights in prayer, that deep intimacy with God is now yours. That that's going to begin to happen to you in this season, that you're going to begin to possess that as your inheritance. From this day forward, you're going to see it happen in your life. And once again, I just began to weep in the presence of the Lord. I just received it, and I knew that what God was saying was, yes, I'm going to write, but what's deeper, what's behind it, is that place of friendship, of deep fellowship with him that he's calling me to write in. So I eagerly called Pastor Daniels, and I told him about these two prophetic words, and I said, now it's time for you to teach me how to pray. Every rabbi had as his primary uh, his primary um, responsibility was to teach his disciples how to pray. And the job of the disciples to learn how to pray as his rabbi prayed. And so that's why the disciples of Jesus came to him one day and said, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples to pray. And in response, Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer. When you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And, uh, you know, he's, he gave us the Lord's Prayer. But the way we treat the Lord's Prayer, it's like a bedtime prayer. You know, the way we treat the Lord, I mean, this is Jesus the rabbi telling his disciples, this is how I pray. And when he gave them the Lord's Prayer, he was telling them how he prays, not what he prays. In other words, he was telling them, I relate to God not as my slave master, but as my father. So when you pray, say, our father. And I know he's in heaven, and so I call him my father in heaven. And I hallow his name and and I I declare that his name is holy. And I ask him that his kingdom would come. That's my first priority. When I go to ask him for anything, I ask for the coming of the kingdom. And I ask that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking about the way he prays. He's talking about the flow of his prayer. And so I, I went to my spiritual father and I said, teach me to pray. Teach me how you pray. And he began to talk to me about the foundation of his life in prayer. And when it came down to it, I can summarize the nature of his prayer life in these words. He said it to me yesterday. I've been talking to him about prayer almost every day on the phone. Just tell me something more about prayer. Teach me how to pray. And he said this to me. He said, many Christians are following Jesus. And many Christians are trying to lead the Spirit instead of letting the Spirit lead them. But I've learned a long time ago not to try to lead the Spirit. Instead, I let the Spirit lead me. He said so many Christians are trying to get the Spirit to do what they want to do. So many Christians are trying to lead the Spirit Lord, touch this person and heal this person or give me this or bless me with this. In our petitions, we're trying to lead the spirit and get him to do what we want him to do. He said, but you want to know what sonship is? Those who are led by the spirit, these are the sons of God. He said, I've learned to let the spirit lead me. And that was the culmination of several days of teaching on prayer that he's been giving me just in our personal conversations And I I understood fully what he was saying because I was asking him, well, tell me how you intercede. 
And he says, well, the spirit will lead me to pray for somebody and I'll pray for them. So we'll tell me uh, how you speak in tongues. Well, the spirit will lead me to speak in tongues and then I'll speak in tongues. Well, tell me, when do you quietly meditate? Well, the spirit leads me to meditate underneath it all. I couldn't give it, get him to tell me from this time to this time I do this. And I set my alarm clock for this time and I wake up at this time and, and I do this from this time to this time. It's all about the leading of the spirit. He said, I'll be talking to you and I feel the spirit drawing me and I just have to go follow where the spirit is leading me. And the spirit leads me into my prayer closet and I go in and shut the door and lift up my hands and I begin to worship God. Sometimes he leads me into the place of deep silence where I'm not even saying anything and God isn't saying anything. I'm just laying before the Lord for hours and I feel his presence all around me and I don't say anything and he doesn't say anything. And suddenly I know things in my spirit. I know things about people and about places and about events and about things to come because the spirit just, just, just put it. He didn't even speak to me. He just put the knowledge in me. I found that all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And I began to partake of those treasures of, of wisdom and knowledge. He said there are times when the Spirit draws me to my knees and, and I literally have to get on my knees to pray because the Spirit is drawing me to my knees. And sometimes I just lay before the Lord because the Spirit just causes, He makes me to lay down in green pasture. See, it's the Spirit that's leading me. And, and He says, I just feel constantly drawn by the Lord. I just feel constantly led by the Lord. I feel at every moment he's leading me. And if I'm talking to you, he's leading me to talk to you. And if, if I'm prophesying, he's leading me to prophesy. He says, I'm not trying to make it happen at any moment. At no moment am I reaching for something. I'm reaching for the spirit. At no moment am I trying to make something happen. I'm simply following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because those who are led by the spirit... These are the sons of God. In Psalm 23, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Whatever leads you, that's your shepherd. If you're led by your desires, your desires are your shepherd. If you're led by the expectations that others put on you, those expectations of others are your shepherd. If you're led by financial opportunity, Money is your shepherd. Whatever you're led by, that's your shepherd. But David said, the Lord is my shepherd. And here's the proof. He leads me beside the still waters. That's how I know he's my shepherd, because he leads me beside the still waters. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He restores my soul. That word restore in the Hebrew is the word shuv. It means to turn. He turns my soul. He turns it away from error when I'm walking towards the place of error. He turns me into the truth and he makes sure that I walk in the path of truth. He turns. I don't have to worry about going the wrong way because the Lord knows how to turn me. And then he said this. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Not for my name's sake, for his own name's sake. Meaning if I don't walk in paths of righteousness, he's going to look bad. It's going to reflect poorly on his name and he just can't let that happen. He is jealous for his name. And so he's going to make sure I'm walking in a path of righteousness. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I was thinking about that earlier today. And I was reminded... Of when I was in the eighth grade, 
and I took pre-algebra. And I'll never get, I took pre-algebra from um, um, a person who's going to remain nameless. I'm not going to say their name. You never know, they might listen to the podcast one day. But if you do, you need to be ashamed of yourself and you know who you are. But I got a C in pre-algebra in the eighth grade. And I won't explain the situation to you, but it was completely inexplicable. I did all of the homework assignments. I got perfect marks on all the homework assignments. I got A's on all the tests, and I got a C in the class. Now, does that add up to you? That does not add up to me. And I went to the teacher. I said, why did I get a C? And the teacher said, well, what did you expect? I said, well, I expected an A. And the teacher said, based on what? I said, based on the fact that I did all of the homework assignments and got perfect marks on them and, it did, did, and got A's on all the tests, to me, that equals an A in the class, right? I'm confused. And the teacher said, no, that's just doing what's expected of you. That's what you're supposed to do. Am I supposed to give you a cookie because you did what's expected of you? You're supposed to get everything right. You're supposed to do all the work. That's nothing special. That doesn't deserve an A. And I was so confused. I was in the eighth grade. I'm thinking, this is so confusing. <laughs> I couldn't even argue with that. I was like, well, okay, all right. And I, I didn't say anything to my parents. I didn't, I didn't complain or anything. I just took it. I just, I guess I deserve it. The next year, I go into the ninth grade. I'm starting high school. And on the first day when they were telling us what classes we were taking, everyone in my class, you're all in Algebra 1. Benjamin, you're going back to pre-algebra. And I said, why? They said, well, you got a C in pre-algebra last year. You think you're ready for Algebra 1 when you got a C in pre-algebra? So I was like, man. And I'm looking at my friends. I said, did you do anything extra last year? They're like, what are you talking about? Did you do more than your homework? No, I just did my homework. Well, why did I get a C and you got an A? I just didn't get it. So I went home, and my dad said, son, what's wrong? I said, well, they told me i got to take pre-algebra again. My dad said, what? And I said, well, yeah, they said i got to take pre-algebra again. My dad said, come with me. <laughs> he marched out the door to the car. Get in. I got in the car. He drove straight back to the school, got out without a word, and stormed right up to the office of the head of mathematics and, and just walked in. I want to talk to you about my son. My son is not taking pre-algebra again. And he said, Mr. Robinson, I understand your concern, but Benjamin got a C in pre-algebra last year. There's no way he's ready for Algebra 1. And I hadn't even told my dad what had happened. My dad said, that woman did not like my son. She, was not, she did not grade him fairly, and this grade does not adequately reflect upon his mathematic abilities or knowledge. And the teacher said, look, a grade is a grade. My father said, you test him. Test him right now. Sit him down and give him a test right now. I put my reputation on the line to say that he will get nothing less than a 90% on your test. And so the teacher said, all right, okay, have a seat, Benjamin. I sat down, and he pulled out a test. He said, if you can pass this test, you're ready for Algebra 1. And he gave me the test. I got a 97%. <laughs> And the teacher graded it right there and said, welcome to Algebra 1. <laughs> Went and changed it in the system. 
My dad couldn't let me repeat pre-algebra. Why? Because then I wouldn't take geometry in the 10th grade and trigonometry in the 11th grade and and pre-calculus in in the 12th grade. He knew that it would get me off track. I'd be behind my my whole class. He knew that it would be a path that would be a lower path. And he didn't want me to walk a lower path. He wanted me to walk a higher path. And whereas I would have accepted it, I would have just said, well, this is my lot. But my father said, no, I'm going to make sure you walk the path for my sake. My name is on the line. You're my son. I'm not letting you off the path. And when you can't advocate for yourself, I'm going to advocate for you. And when someone tries to pull you off the path, they're going to have me to contend with. I could see the anger in my father's eyes when he said, get in the car, come with me. I'm not standing for this. I'm not letting this go down. They're not doing this to my son. You're going to walk the path that I say you're going to walk on. See, the thing that you and I need to understand is that the path we walk is not based upon the power of our spiritual resolve or our endeavor to walk uprightly. It's not because we sought God. It's because God sought us. It's not because we chose God. It's because God chose us. It's not because we have the power to choose him. God had the power to choose us. All we can do is cooperate. All we can do is submit to his choosing. Jesus said to his disciples, you haven't chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should bear much fruit. You better believe you're going to bear much fruit. Why? Because you're my disciples, because I chose you. While you were in your mother's womb, God said to Jeremiah, I ordained you. How you like that? Man didn't ordain me till I was 25 years old, but God said in your mother's womb, I anointed you with oil and said, you're a prophet to the nations. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know what leads to spiritual burnout? What leads to spirit? See, this is the thing. Most believers don't pursue God ardently with their, with their strength and with their heart and with their mind. The reason is we're afraid of burnout. If I pray real hard and if I seek him real hard, it's just tiring. It's exhausting. And Christians get burnt out all the time. The spiritual life can seem like an exhausting thing. But you've got to understand that unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. The spiritual house is not the house built by man. It's the house built by God. And if you don't start with the foundational premise that God is drawing me. That God is leading me, that he's calling me, that he's guiding me, that he's selecting the path, not me. Instead, we'll spend our times chasing after him. I'll forever be chasing after you. It never dawned on me that that song presupposes that he's running from me. Why would I forever be chasing after him if he's not running from me? He's leading me. I'm not chasing him. I'm walking with him. I don't have to run after somebody who's not running from me. If God's running from me, I'm in trouble. I'll never catch him. That's why we haven't sung that in a while. I'll be chasing after you. What? It just dawned on me this way. What am I talking about? I'm not chasing him. But most believers feel like we're chasing him. Oh God, please come. We're praying with unbelief because we don't believe he's here. 
Oh, Lord, show me your glory. But we're not walking with him. We're not walking in the awareness that the heavens, that the earth is already filled with his glory. Doesn't mean we don't ask for things, but you know when I ask for things now? I'm learning to ask for things when the Lord tells me to ask for them. When he comes and says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. Then I say, Father, give me the nations. Why? He just invited me to ask. Peter learned something when he was standing on the boat. He said, tell me to come and I'll come. If it's you, invite me to come out on the waters with you. I'm not coming unless you invite me. It wasn't Peter's faith. I believe the waters will. No, it was Peter's obedience. If I'm going to walk on water, it must be an act of obedience. Obedience is the greatest measure of faith. It is not intellectual. I have no idea how this is supposed to work. All I know is that I heard Jesus say, come. You know when I ask him a question? When he tells me what question to ask. When he says, son of man, can these dry bones live? Now it's time to ask him a question. Lord, can they? You know. It's time to ask him when he says, ask of me. Hmm? Ask of me. When he says, call upon me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things. When there's a time when he comes to you and says, ask. I know it's time to intercede when he puts someone on my heart and says intercede. But see, we never get to the place where we're led by the Spirit if we don't start with the fundamental belief that the Spirit is leading me. Until you come into the conscious awareness of the drawing of the Spirit, you're going to be chasing after him. We chase him when we don't realize he's leading us. And sometimes in our chasing after him, we blow right by him. Lord, wait! And he's going, I'm right here. Where, where are you going? Come on. If we think of the spiritual house as a structure, as a house, the foundation of it would be meditating on God's word day and night. That's the foundation. Meditating on God's word day and night. That's the foundation. Don't try interceding for anything until you learn how to meditate on God's word. Worship. All of that should flow out of our meditation on God's word. Meditating on his word day and night. See, you cannot allow your thoughts to go wherever they want to go and think you're, and then spend like an hour a week disciplining them and focusing them on God and think you're going to have a healthy spiritual life. I wonder why I feel terrible about myself all of the time, or I wonder why I fall into these things all the time. Maybe because you let your thoughts go everywhere they want to go. And then for a few hours a week, you focus them on God. That's like eating whatever you want to eat. And then for a few hours a week, you eat healthy. I mean, I eat five hamburgers and six cheeseburgers for lunch. In the morning, I have bacon, eggs, waffles, pancakes, you know. But then at dinner time, I'm going to be healthy. I've already had 5,000 calories. But at dinner, I had a nice salad. That's my healthy moment. Isn't that what we do? From the moment we wake up in the morning until late at night, 
Our minds are in the flesh and going every which direction like rebellious children fleeing from us in seven different directions. Have you ever seen parents who have multiple kids and they just let their kids go everywhere? They just stand there and just watch them go crazy and go, oh, they're just kids. You better get some of those harnesses. Have you seen those uh, leashes? Listen, whatever you need to do to keep your kids disciplined. Now, I'm not saying, you know, discipline them to the point where they're not kids anymore. You know, sometimes, yeah, kids will be kids. You got to let them be kids. But I'm saying if you're at somebody else's house and your kids are tearing stuff up, you know, breaking lamps and stuff, you know what I'm, it's an analogy. Follow me. Are you with me? (laughs) What I'm saying is you got to discipline your thoughts. Just like if you want to lose weight, you got to discipline your eating 24, seven, 365. I mean, you got to make a decision. This is a lifestyle, not a diet. People are going on spiritual diets. Say, well, I pray 30 minutes a day. Yeah, I have 30 spiritual minutes a day, but 23 and a half, 23 hours and 30 minutes of flesh. But I give the spirit 30 minutes a day. I wonder why it's not changing my life. Because you're trying to supplement the flesh with a little spirit. Instead of letting the Lord be your shepherd. You're not letting him lead you. You're simply inviting him into 30 minutes portions of your life. Or one hour portions of your life. You might even get to the point where you pray five hours a day. But then have 19 hours of flesh. And it means nothing. Not nothing. But you can negate. you, And we know this with eating. With eating I can negate a whole good day of eating right. With in 10 minutes. Just 10 undisciplined minutes I can consume enough calories. To gain weight on the day. People say, well, I don't eat after 6. I don't eat after 6. Yeah, but I gorge from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. You know, 18,000 calories, and then I fast from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. That 12-hour fast is not enough to burn off half of what you ate today. It's got to be a lifestyle. A lifestyle. And so... We got to get it in our heads that there's no alternative. We must learn to meditate on God's word day and night. Day and night. 24 7, 365. Oh, that sounds daunting. That sounds overwhelming. That sounds overly spiritual. What do you think it meant when you said, My life belongs to you? When you prayed that sinner's prayer and said, Jesus, I give you my life, He's still waiting for you to give Him your life. Not, Lord, I give you 30 minutes a week. Lord, I give you my Sunday mornings from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And a few Thursday nights a year. And a podcast here and there. And maybe a devotional every once in a while. No, he wants our lives. The foundation of the spiritual life is meditating on God's word day and night. Day and night. And this is the recipe for success. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
And in his law, he meditates day and night. Day and night. It's his life. You know why he doesn't stand in the, in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of the scornful and stand in the council of the ungodly? You know why? He didn't have time to. See, so many of us are trying to abstain from certain things. It's not about the cessation of, of fleshly things. It's about entering into the life of the spirit and being so ra- caught up there that you don't have time for the flesh. You don't have time to. You know, accountability. Well, I think I can stop this if I have the right amount of accountability. Okay, yeah, that might help. But if you're not filling your time with the spirit, spiritless moments in your life, moments that are devoid of the presence of God, are invitations to demonic beings to come and fill that time. I want God to fill my every moment. But here's the thing. You and I don't always feel like we're being drawn by him, do we? I mean, you feel like other people are more spiritual than you. Don't you feel? You ever, you ever felt that? You ever felt like, man, I wish, you know, I wish this person, I wish I could have a spiritual life like this person. No matter how much I pray, nothing seems to change for me, but they lift up their hands and they're in the glory of God. <laughs> you know, it's like anything. If you go to the gym You know, when you first start working out, you pretty much have to beat yourself to get there. You don't want to go. You come up with all kinds of excuses. Why do I keep saying you? I don't want to (laughs) go. I heard Chuck Swindoll say one time, he said, when I wake up in the morning and feel an urge to work out, I just lay there until that urge passes. But you work out for three months straight. All of a sudden, you feel drawn. Like, you know, you ever see somebody just, what's wrong? I haven't been to the gym in 24 hours. I got to get to the gym. I got to go, man. I need to go to the gym. It's 11 o'clock at night. I'm going to the gym. You're going to the gym at 11? You're crazy. It was the only time I had today, but I can't let another day go by without going to the gym. You meditate on God's word day and night. Do it for a week and see what happens. You know what? That first week, if you met it, I'm talking about 24, 7, 365. I'm talking, even when you're talking to people in the back of your mind, you're meditating on his word, meditating on it day and night, just turning it over, turning it over, turning it over. Tur- I start each day. Every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is I open my cube computer to find out what is my meditation. I got them scheduled. What is my meditation today? You know what? I'm not like Pastor Daniels yet. The Holy Spirit just draws him here and blows him there and draws him here and blows him. You know why? Because for the last 20-something years, he's been meditating on God's word day and night. And that path is so broad for him and so strong for him that he can't even get out of it if he tried to. Even if he tried to get in the flesh, he couldn't figure out where it was. He would fail miserably at walking in the flesh. He would fall right back into the spirit. See, I've got to find some sin. What kind of a sin could I do? Oh, Lord, help me find sin. Oh, see, I'm praying again. I can't stop praying. I'm even asking the Lord to help me find And I can't even see any sin. What am I supposed to do? Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I can't find my way. David said it when he said, where can I go from your presence? How can I flee from your spirit? If I go into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go into the uttermost parts of the sea, you're there. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me. Even the darkness shines as light. But notice it took him 139 psalms to get there. 
After you have meditated for 139 psalms, you'll say that too. He was not making a theological statement. He was talking about his spiritual experience. God, I feel so surrounded by you that I couldn't get out of you if I wanted to. I'm lost in you. Your presence just draws me. It pulls me. It sucks me in. But it starts with making a decision. Meditate. It starts with unconscious incompetence. Meaning you're ignorant of what you don't know how to do. And then you move to conscious incompetence. Meaning now you know that you don't know how to do this. And then you move to conscious competence. You know how to do it, but you have to be intentional about doing it. And then it moves to unconscious competence, meaning you don't even have to think about it. It's just who you are. It flows out of your life. Pastor Daniels in his spiritual life is in that unconscious competence phase. Even when he's sleeping, he's talking to the Lord. And when he wakes up, he's immediately in the presence of the Lord. Most of us, we still wake up in the flesh. Come on, somebody. Come on. But you know what? I'm walking with Jesus. You know what? Every day I'm walking closer. You know what? I'm being intentional about meditating on his word day and night. Today, my meditation is Psalm 6511. You crown the year with your goodness and all your paths drip with abundance. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. You crown the year. That's just been going on since I woke up this morning. I opened my computer. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. And you know what? I'll forget it for 15, 20 minutes. And oh, no, no, no way. You crown the year with your goodness and your path. And I'm tempted to be anxious about something, but I call it to mind. No, Lord, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. You know, sometimes as I'm doing it, I feel like I'm utterly failing at it, but it doesn't even matter if I feel like I'm utterly failing because he's leading me in paths of righteousness. The Lord is building this house and it's not about my competence. It's about his competence. If you feel like you're failing at it, don't waste a moment feeling ashamed. Don't waste a moment even thinking that you failed. Simply get up and say, it's God who works in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he's going to see to it that he keeps me from falling. And he's going to present me blameless before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy because the Lord is building this house. And if he's not building it, it's not going to stand. But if he is building it, Jesus said, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down and the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But it's about hearing his words, about calling them to mind. Tomorrow, my meditation is this, Psalm 23 uh, Psalm 23, 4, you lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Or Psalm 23, 3, you, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. That's going to be my meditation. The moment I wake up tomorrow for the next 24 hours, you lead. I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm still saying, you crown the year with your goodness. I wake up to pee at 2 a.m. You crown the year with your goodness. And all your paths drip with abundance. Now let me get to this bathroom for my path starts dripping with abundance. <laughs> My daughter woke up, woke up at 2 a.m. last night. As soon as the door opened, I, she, she'll wake up just burst into our room. Poof. I jump up. You crown the year with abundance. You crown the year with your goodness. And, and your path drips with abundance. His path is dripping with abundance. And here's the thing. The scripture says that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. But Christ is the last place where we look for them. 
When we need some wisdom and knowledge, the first thing we do is search out a person who we think has that wisdom and knowledge. And then we go look for a book. And if we can't find it in a book, we go to Google. Google is my shepherd I shall not want. Anytime I have a question, I go straight to Google. I Google it. And once I've Googled it, and if I can't find a person who knows it, and if I can't find it in a book, and if I can't find it in Google, then I think maybe I should pray about this. Maybe I should ask the Lord. You know what? If all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ, it means I should constantly be going to Christ. You know, if you're in the field of engineering, you know who the most knowledgeable engineer in the universe is? God. He knows more about engineering than any of your professors, than any... See, we, we like to relegate the knowledge of Jesus Christ to the realm of the Spirit. And we don't know that He's the Lord of all the earth. That He said, all power and, and authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. He knows everything. Your professors are, idi- are idiots compared to Jesus of Nazareth. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And so when I have a question, I'm learning to just go straight to Christ with it. And you know what? When I go straight to Christ with it, if he wants me to get it from a person, he puts that person in my path. And all of a sudden I find, oh, hey, this person's giving. This is awesome. It's funny. I was just asking the Lord about this. And then I turn on the radio and a radio program comes on and there's more. Hey, I was just asking the Lord about this. And then I get online and a website pops up. I go, Lord, I was just asking you about this. And then somebody hands me a book and says, here, you need to read. You know what? I may still get it from a book or from Google or from a person, but the Lord is going to put those things in, in my path because my, because his path is dripping with abundance. It's funny. After I ask. After I asked the Lord about that, the Lord spoke this to me. He said, I'm going to give you this. And then I started asking the Lord and asking my spiritual father about it. All of the sudden, I turn on the radio and they're talking about meditation and its effect on the brain. And then my, one of my friends calls me that I haven't talked to in a long time. And she's telling me about a study that she just did on meditation in the brain and, 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 and how prayer affects even the natural body. I mean, it's, it's like the Lord is just putting all of this together. When the Lord sets you on a path and when he wants you to have something, you don't realize it, but he gives you at that moment everything you need for life and godliness. you got to trust him to lead you. I remember when I was taking my comprehensive exams for my Ph.D. and and, uh, I was going into one of the the courses where I didn't know I had to take a test and I didn't know anything. And uh, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me the day before. I, I had this huge amount of information. I said, Lord, what do I study? And the Lord spoke to me out of nowhere and gave me one name. Bam. He gave me the name. I went to that person and I studied that person and I went to sleep. And I went in the next day and guess what the question on the test was? That person. He's leading me. He won't let me fail. He's leading me. He's leading me. Listen, you got to meditate on that truth that he's leading you. He's, you know what? He's drawing all of us. But most of us are completely unaware. We don't feel him drawing. So you've got to begin to believe that he's drawing you. You just got to begin to, you got to make a decision to believe he's drawing me. Regardless of the state of your life or the state of your spiritual life, he's still drawing you. He still wants you. Instead of trying to clean yourself up, simply begin to pray this prayer. Lord, I know you're drawing me. I know you're leading me. You lead me in paths of righteousness. 
You're, you are leading me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Would you open my eyes so that I can see you leading? He's standing right in front of you saying, come on, come on. Would you open my heart? I want to feel you drawing. I want to feel you drawing me. I want to feel you drawing me. He's drawing you. He's drawn. Sometimes I just feel drawn by the Lord in the middle of the night. I just got to go into my closet and get on my knees before the Lord. Sometimes in the midst of a conversation, I feel the Lord drawing me. I've just got to get away and go be with him. Just me and him. He wants you to know his drawing and his leading. You're not building the house. He's building it. You're not choosing him. He's choosing you. It is not by your own endeavor. Every step towards the Lord I've ever taken is only a response to his grace, to his love. Only a response to the fact that he said, come here, son. Come here. I want you. Come here. Come to me. Why do I have to chase the one who said, come unto me? Are you weary? You know what's more wearisome than focusing your mind on Jesus 24 hours a day? What's more wearisome than that is letting your thoughts go anywhere. You let your thoughts go anywhere, they will beat you with anxiety, with fear, with shame. By the end of the day, you ever find that you're worn out at the end of the day and you haven't done anything physical? Why am I so tired? I haven't even lifted a box. Why is sitting at a desk all day tiring? You know why? Your mind is tired. Your thinking. Your thinking is so burdensome that your body begins to bear the weight of it. And so at the end of the day when you should be refreshed, the presence of the Lord. Instead, you're worn out, beat down, and tired. When you begin to focus your thinking on him, you know what you find? He gives you rest. He gives you peace. He gives you strength. He gives you life. The Lord is my shepherd. And he's leading me in paths of righteousness. And he's leading you in paths of righteousness. Just let him lead. Father, I pray tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus. That you would teach us to stop trying to lead you. That you teach us to stop trying to get you to do something. Some of us think that we're working in you. to will and to do of our own good pleasure. We feel like we're working on the Lord. But Lord, it's the other way around. You are working in me to will and to do of your good pleasure. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. Just begin to quiet your hearts and your mind. 
Just begin to let your heart begin to say, Lord, you are my shepherd. You are leading me in paths of righteousness. When I meditate on scripture, the purpose is to meditate on it until I begin to believe it. And to meditate on it until I begin to hear it. Yesterday, my meditation was Psalm 1611. You have made known to me the path of life. I was saying it in my heart and mind and in my heart and mind all day. And then all of a sudden in the evening, it was as if a secret had been revealed. Wait a minute. You have made known to me the path of life. You made known. I mean, the path of life. This is a secret that's been hidden from ages and generations and you've made it known to me. God wants to open your ears so that you truly begin to hear his word. For the next 24 hours, I want you to meditate on this one verse. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Just let it push out every other meditation. Say, well, I need to learn to meditate. No, human beings are notorious meditators. You already know how to meditate. The problem is we meditate on ourselves. What we want, what we think, what we like, what we don't like, what we hope for, what we dream for, what we need, what we lack. What this person did to me, what that person didn't do for me. Instead of meditating on the one who is with us always. He leads me. You lead me in paths of righteousness. Just let that meditation push out every other meditation. Stop trying to work out your stuff. Stop trying to think your way through your trouble. You're not smart enough. Just begin to say it in your heart and mind. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. You lead me. You lead me. Remember to breathe. You lead me in paths of righteousness. I don't have to find the path. You're leading me to the path. You are the path. Father, I speak your blessing over this house tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. I speak blessing, strength, and peace over your mind, over your heart, over your body, and over your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name.